Hey, Kuya. Hey, Sigs. So in our discussions this month on social justice, we've been discussing the importance of needing to adopt a culturally humble stance so we can be in position to discern the social movements that we want to support or join. So once we are in that position, I'm recognizing and I'm finding that we are then able to learn the hard truths that a social movement is trying to teach. Yes. And in order to learn those hard truths, we also need to be teachable. Teachable? Yeah, teachable. Let's talk more about this after the introductions. Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. We at the Holo Holo Podcast acknowledge that our creative project spans these areas and territories and are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today, those who have gone before us, and the youth that inspires us. We recognize the land and benefits it provides all of us as an act of reconciliation, as recommended by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 Calls to Action, and gratitude to those whose territory we reside on, work on, or are visiting. I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Nishabeg people. And I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River. Sigs, these last couple of episodes for our February Social Justice Month 2024, we've been talking about trying to figure out the social movements that are out there and which one to join. And the last two episodes really looked at cultural humility in discernment that helps us in joining those social movements. And I think what's key to those two pieces is that they really put us in that position to learn about other cultures Mm -hmm. and also learning about ourselves and social systems. And I think hopefully what you and our listeners are kind of walking away with is this idea that the learning is really continual when it comes to cultures, because as we know, the global landscape is constantly changing and evolving, and that that learning is a lifelong endeavor in a lot of ways. And I think at first, it kind of seems a little bit daunting, but I think if you get into this mood of lifelong learning, you know, and you remain curious, becoming teachable, as I've been kind of saying at the beginning, right? you know, of this today's podcast, really, really gets us to truly learn about other cultures. And mm-hmm. Sigs, I know this about you. You are curious. You are teachable. I would always <laughs> describe you as that. I don't know that any of our friends would say otherwise. You know, you're very curious and then you're very sharp on what you've learned. Like you say, it's funny. It is ongoing. And I being curious, I think I, in myself, I think I have to remind myself because I don't think I'm just learning for myself. And that's great because, I, mm-hmm. you know, being a better person, but I have kids Mm-hmm. I want them to learn too, and I want to be open. And I think the world's changing so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I want to not be a dinosaur because when my kids bring up a discussion, I want to be able to partake. Yeah, and you I want to be, be a able part to understand exactly and see how far we've come or be surprised. I'm like, okay, there is something still to learn because you and I know growing up, no one likes to know it all. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It is Thanks, true. mom, for it's that true. lesson. I know, yes. I've heard that too. No one likes know-it-all, but I yeah. think what inoculates that know-it-all is that cultural humility that we talked about last episode. And in that last episode, we were also talking about how do you learn about 
other cultures. And, mm-hmm. you know, like what I said last time, there are that surface parts of a culture like food right. and fashion and language, tradition and holidays. But more importantly, we really ought to be learning the more deeper parts. So in other words, how a culture right. communicates, mm-hmm. what a culture thinks about in terms of time and justice and fairness and family and notions of beauties and manners and courtesy. And then I think most importantly, what are the different attitudes and approaches that each culture takes? And right. I think I said this last time, you know, some of this stuff would take a lifetime. Oh my gosh. That. And I don't know if you had any other thoughts from that episode around kind of needing to learn the deeper parts of a culture. I find, I think you said the word daunting and, and it seems so, so daunting, but I mm-hmm. think sometimes that acknowledgement, like there is a lot to learn mm-hmm. and to be open. Yeah. I think carries people in the sense like, I don't know everything and I yeah. need to learn and I need to be open. And I think with that openness, it's paired with that humility you talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so essential. Like from the past few years, whether it's been the pandemic or the several movements being 2024, I think we need to bring humility in our normal life that we don't know everyone's story. We don't yeah. know the context. And for us wanting to know, and to learn, not just beyond the surface, right? It is fun to engage in foods and it, it almost traditions becomes- traditions and dances. And the challenges, right? And yeah. I, there's a reason why we had this podcast where you said, all right, we can't talk about lumpia all the time, about adobo. <laughs> What's that deeper meaning and knowledge? Yes, we talk about fun stuff. Yes, we talk about pop culture. We love it. And you said there's a way for us to tie in, whether it's about- deeper meanings within Philippines as a culture, us being represented in the diaspora, there's so many more lessons to learn. And it's just ongoing and open. I think that's such a lesson that you sort of hammered home. And yeah. uh, it, and it that, can be daunting, but it's it's continual. It's Go continual, ahead. right? And yeah. it's lifelong, as I've talked about. And that humility allows us to learn about other cultures. The right. other thing that allows us to learn about other cultures so that we're in a position to be taught and a position to learn mm-hmm. is really about moving away from this idea of being ethnocentric, okay. which is doing our culture as being central, mm-hmm. you know, to being more ethno-relative, meaning viewing our culture in relation to another and relative to the global context. In some okay. Way. All right. So if we okay. were just thinking of the Canadian culture or even British culture or North American culture, that's linked in terms of ethnocentric maybe 50 years ago as being superior to other cultures. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But ethno-relative is starting to realize that there's no one culture that's better than another. You no. know? And I think the interesting thing about learning about other cultures is we get into this compare and contrast analysis. But what's tricky about this analysis is that this analysis leads to a dynamic where we start to think or could think that our culture is better than somebody else's culture when that's not actually the truth out there. And in fact, I don't know that you can put those value judgments on it. We got to be careful when we're learning about other cultures to not be ethnocentric Or that'll lead us away from truly learning about another culture and we might end up making judgments. So it becomes important to see any difference that we see with a culture that we're learning about as just being relative and a product of social and global systems. So what I mean is like colonialism, imperialism, racism, homophobia, 
all of these things really can get in the way of actually seeing that a cultural difference is just a cultural difference. It doesn't mean cultural superiority or cultural inferiority for that matter. Okay. So if we understand the cultural differences occurring within a context, and that context is, let's say, like colonialism, we're more likely to understand those differences in an ethno-relative way. So that's just a fancy way of saying that we'll stay away from this idea of thinking that one culture is better than another or our culture is better than another. Right. The minute we start thinking that, no good. <laughs> no good. And makes it difficult for us to learn truly about the deeper parts of another culture. So an example of that is, have you heard about kind of settler mentality? Taking over? Yes. Yeah. Right? What's going on? This doesn't make sense to us. So we're going to make our way make sense for everybody. That's right. That's exactly yeah. what settler mentality is. And settler mentality really looks at those cultural differences by being defensive or minimizing the impact of colonialization. Mm -hmm. Another example of this where the cultural differences are minimized is white fragility, which again is another form of being ethnocentric, saying that, okay, my culture is better than your culture. And when we've read about white fragility or talked to others about <laughs> white fragility, it denies that racism occurs or minimizes the impact. So white people being fragile about talking about racial differences and the divide across cultures, suddenly it's like their fragility makes it harder for us to talk about those differences in some ways. Right. Do you have any, any ideas that kind of go along with that idea of white fragility and how it prevents people from actually learning about other cultures in more detail? Not specifically, but it's so funny. I have a, an acquaintance, mm -hmm. and I'm going to use this example because um, I have a cousin, Cedric, who you know, mm -hmm. and he, he is mixed. He's Filipino and Cuban. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about during the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff, and we were just talking about people walking down the street. And this acquaintance I know is elderly mm -hmm. in her 70s, and she's just saying, you know, I if I'm walking down the street, I always just clutch my purse a little tighter. If I'm, mm. And if I see someone, I go, so for example, if you saw my cousin who you know, mm -hmm. and he's walking down the street and you didn't know him, mm -hmm. you would clutch your purse or you'd walk to the, yeah. But I go, but now, you know, no, I wouldn't think of anything different. Right. I'm like, right. interesting. It's just, yeah. but I don't know how to explain this feeling. Right. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And that feeling is taught in a lot of ways. And right. that feeling is really predicated on how there's another culture that's out to get your culture or who you are. So hang on tight to your purses, people. Yeah, And it's unfortunate because not everyone is out to get other cultures or not other ones are out there to rob other cultures for that matter. So these feelings, these stereotypes, they recreate this ethnocentrism saying that one culture is better than another prevents us from being ethno-relative, which really just says that a cultural difference is only just a cultural difference, right? right? And then prevents us from learning about that other culture in a really full and deep way. Okay. So when we're ethno-relative in our learning, it means a couple of things. What it mainly means is, is, is that we have to refrain from being defensive, mm -hmm. kind of like this acquaintance that you're talking about, kind of like holding on to things, like being in a defensive mode or minimizing or other people's experience. So it's really interesting. Like, you know, when the Black Lives Matter movement came out, people minimized that experience by saying, well, all lives matter. Oh. But they weren't getting 
the new one the meaning, and exactly. saying all lives that matter really just essentially says that my culture is different or says that there is no difference and minimizes what the racial inequality. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. And I think also being ethnocentric or not being ethno-relative is another way to say it, could also occur by denying other people's experience. So saying that pro-life is about life when really it's about anti-choice, you know, at the end of it all. So these are some things to just kind of think about that if we really want to be ethno-relative and if we really want to learn about other cultures and thus be teachable, we can't be defensive about what we're learning as differences in comparison to our culture to the other person's culture. We can't minimize the other culture's experience and we can't deny other people's experience at the same time. And then what I would also add is, is that learning about other people's cultures means being able to accept that cultural differences are just cultural differences. They're right. legitimate and there's a history behind them. And that, interestingly enough, once we learn about other people's cultures and we can accept the cultural differences, that they're just only differences, we start to adapt our behaviors and interaction with our other cultures appropriately. And we start to integrate our own understanding of these cultural differences in a meaningful way. So when I grew up in Scarborough, middle Scarborough, I grew up around a lot of Caribbean people. Mm -hmm. And because I grew up around a lot of Caribbean people, I understood their culture quite a lot, was exposed to a lot of traditions and thinkings and understood stuff according to their view on the world. Right. And I could easily be in some type of Caribbean cookout or celebration cookout, and no one would think twice about my membership there. They would all think he's a part of the community. He understands our culture, even though my face looked very different from others. And that doesn't mean that I was blending in. It just means I was able to adapt and people appreciated that adaptation when I would be in those situations and settings. I don't know if you've had an experience like that. Have you had an experience like that, Sigs, where, you know, you've had such openness to a different culture, besides being Canadian, of course. Besides being Canadian? <laughs> no, I, I find that in growing up in some cases or whatever, being the minority or finding fellow people that were other, like, visible minorities in school, like, we just gravitated to each other. Mm -hmm. and, and there was just an understanding, right? I had a classmate named Harold growing up, and I've met his family and stuff, but he understood, you know, we ate rice just like they did. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They were hard, both hardworking parents, and there was no judgment and stuff like that. And I don't know, there was just like an ease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? It's almost unspoken, and we all acknowledge that, yeah, we're, we're different, but we're the same. Well, and my In guess is that you probably learned about Harold's culture exactly. in a particular way that maybe it wasn't a scholarly understanding. And you don't need a scholarly understanding. Sometimes exactly. you just need a felt understanding of another culture. And then just know that you can then, uh, you know, integrate that into your own being without eliminating being Filipino or being Canadian for that. Exactly. Yeah. And still you know, navigate and be and adapt and integrate and behave in that culture as if you were a part of that culture. True. I think a great example is that from Eric from Filipinos of Montreal grew up in mm -hmm. an Italian neighborhood. Right. And he even cited that because I'm so used to it. I mean, uh, there was a lot, you know, ethno-relative Catholics, Italians, yes. Filipinos. Yep. They right. had like to work on and They were just welcomed right. into that community. And I think that's yeah. a great example too, where he was just like, oh, he's part of the mix. And, it's part of the mix, right? And, and that's what it is, right? And people are able to 
like you said, it you're able to have a place and you're able to participate, if not a. And no one thinks twice about it. They don't no, just think come that on you're in. slumming you're in their neighborhood or anything like that. Like no one thought I was slumming in these Caribbean cookouts. And same thing probably for Eric or for you for that matter. You weren't yeah. slumming in these particular neighborhoods because simply you were understanding or had a really deep understanding and didn't make any more meaning than necessary that any differences that you saw in culture were just differences in culture. It didn't mean exactly. that culture it was just our a- culture was better, right? So I think that that's really important. If you can adopt an ethno-relative stance as well as a culturally humble one, it makes it easier to learn about the deeper parts of a culture. The other thing in terms of learning is learning about ourselves, you know? Right. So before we can understand other people's cultures, we need to know our own and understand our own positionality. And so what is positionality? It, it means actually understanding the various social identities that we inhabit. So, you know, grew up in Southwestern Ontario, highly educated, Filipino, Canadian, Gen Xer, gay, like all these, you know, able-bodied. These are all the different ways that I have either privilege or oppression. And I know Sigs, we've talked about that, right? Intersectionality, yeah. Yeah, intersectionality and understanding the intersectionality of these various social identities ultimately identifies our social location or or positionality against the global fabric Mm -hmm. that exists out there. And that understanding that some of these identities may be privileged and others are oppressed. And it also means understanding history. And I know, Sigs, I always come back to history. Like not only just history of the Philippines, but even like immigration history. Like how did we get into this country? What were the policy, like what were the historical policies that led to our immigration and our coming to this particular country? All of that kind of comes together when you're trying to learn about another culture. And the reason why we keep talking about this is, is because this all invariably links up to different social systems out there too. So the other important thing to learn, not only about another culture and about ourselves, but a learning about social systems. And the reason why it's important to also understand that this is the third part of how you learn about other cultures is some of these social movements out there are challenging these social systems. And Mm. so when Black Lives Matter comes about or anti-Asianism, racism comes about, gay rights movements, these are all fights for equity and really challenging things like racism, sexism, homophobia, ageism, colonialism. Understanding how all of these systems work and how they manifest themselves day to day becomes really important. And in some ways, this podcast reveals some of those isms So, and what these social systems are. And it also means understanding how do all these isms relate to one another and are all different expressions or forms of oppression. And that each of these systems favor one population or cultural group over another. And in fact, says that the difference exists, yes, but that the difference is predicated on merit or the difference is predicated on superiority or whatever the case Mm. may be. And personally, I think all of these systems are rooted in imperialism and capitalism and feudalism in a lot of ways. And I think if we go back to our history colleagues, they probably would agree with us on on that. (laughs) So, you know, Sigs, I think that this is all like a long way of saying that to be able to learn about other cultures and by extension, social movements that we're studying to help us then figure out which social movements we want to join and Mm -hmm. which cultures need our help or support 
it really means striving towards this idea of being ethno-relative, which again is being willing to learn about other about ourselves in an honest fashion and also learning about other cultures without thinking more about the difference and that it's just a difference and also debunking these social systems that we're in so that, you know, again, we can not only unpack them, but also create the social change that these social movements are calling for. And all of this is really just a way of saying that all of this helps us to become teachable. And I think that that's really what we're striving for is to be teachable. So Sigs, what are we going to take away from all of this as I kind of wrap this up? Uh, third part of our social justice episodes for the month of February 2024. I think this is just, it's a continual learning process. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I take away about it, 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 continuing that we will always be curious. But I think you provided some really good points for part three of our yeah. social justice episodes. Wonderful. That wraps up for our third episode of our social justice episodes for February. If you have any questions or concerns, email us at halaholopopculture at gmail.com. The Halahala podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Please rate us, leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. And finally, we are on social media. We are at Instagram at halaholopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chel Turingen. We'll see all of you again real soon. See you guys soon.